Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talk radio across the UK. Online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have reached the end of another week of extraordinary news, ladies and gentlemen, extraordinary developments and incredible manoeuvres by the governments of this country and those of other countries in Europe. Germany is preparing to make vaccinations mandatory, the same as Austria. Greece is finding people who aren't vaccinated. People are being victimised all over the uh, continent uh, by their own governments just because they decided, for whatever reason, not to be vaccinated against the coronavirus, okay? The USA, meanwhile, is already firing people from jobs if they're not vaccinated. People in New York are getting fired from police jobs. People in New York are getting fired uh, for not being able to be vaccinated to be bin men. It's all happening all over the rest of the world. Meanwhile, here we are, just as confused as ever, about Christmas. Are parties still going ahead? Are people's plans in need of change? Should we cancel any foreign trips? And when on earth will we know if the Omicron variant is even something to be particularly worried about? Three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number to call me on. Coming up this morning, we're talking to Richard Tice, leader of the Reform UK party, fresh from his remarkable result in the Bexley and Sidcup violation last night, where he achieved third place and helped to reduce the Tory majority from 19,000 down to less than 5,000. There's something not going well for Boris Johnson. We'll get his take on what they're saying on the doorstep about the Prime Minister and we'll get his reaction to Tory chairman Oliver Dowden's incredible assertion on Julia's show that he couldn't rule out mandatory vaccination in this country. Also, we'll be finding out what a new report from Baroness Casey says about the shambles of the European uh, Euro final uh, back in the summer. You might remember uh, there was an awful lot of people rioting, an awful lot of people breaking into the uh, stadium who went in when they shouldn't have been there. All sorts of stuff that was badly organised. Perhaps most importantly of all, we'll be also addressing the horrendous case of little Arthur Labinho Hughes, who was subjected to the most disgraceful and sadistic campaign by his cruel father and stepmother until his death, aged just six. It's so awful that it pains me as a father to even talk about it, but talk about it, I'm afraid we must. 0344 Conservative commentator Esther Kraku joins me in the studio as well to give us her take on the big stories of the week. And we've got an update on Plank of the Week. One of the people responsible for locking down cats in Australia is joining us to tell us why they did it, believe it or not. 0344 You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. 
Now, as if you didn't know, we will, of course, be bringing you all of the breaking news as it happens throughout the course of the day. There was a by-election yesterday uh, in Bexley and Sidcup. Uh, it was uh, James Brokenshire's former seat. And we are likely now to talk to Richard Tice, leader of the Reform Party, uh, a man who's done incredibly well to come in third place. And he knows an awful lot about what is wrong right now with the Tory party and what is wrong right now with what Boris Johnson is doing. Richard, uh, very good morning to you and congratulations. Uh, thank you very much, Mike. Good morning to you and great to be back on the show now that the by-election is over. And it's been an extraordinary process, Mike, uh, over the last five weeks. We're delighted, obviously, to have come third, to have uh, beat the Lib Dems, beat the Greens. In fact, we secured almost as many votes as they did put together. Um, but there's all sorts of lessons out of this uh, by-election, Mike. The first is, of course, the, the Tory victory, and I congratulated uh, Louis French. Um, it's a, it's, it's a, in a sense, it's an affectionate tribute to the late James Brokenshire. What I learned knocking on thousands of doors, Mike, was, was there was a really committed, much admired, much respected uh, local, you know, MP who was held in deep affection and had some extraordinary emotional stories on the doorstep. So, you know, this victory was a tribute to him. Um, I think in future by-elections, uh, that could be very different indeed, because you won't have that, uh, you know, that level of affection, should it be a, a, anything to do with sleeves or something else, and indeed moving towards the general election. Um, but the thing is, the, the big change, Mike, on the doors, is that Boris Johnson is now viewed not as an asset, by lifelong Tory voters, but as a liability. It reminded me of the the general election campaign in 19, Mike, where, you know, Jeremy Corbyn was a liability to the Labour Party. You know, I had lifelong Tory voters saying they're never going to vote Tory again until Boris Johnson is gone. That is a huge change, a huge shift. Um, and I think one that uh, the Tories will be really concerned about. Yeah, I, absolutely. And of course, in every by-election, you expect a relatively low turnout compared to a general election. But to lose uh, a massive majority of sort of 19,000 down to something like less than five, I mean, that must worry them, surely. Well, let's be clear. Uh, this, this turnout was the second lowest since the war. And yet it was a bright, sunny, cheery day. Of mm. course, it's December, so it was pretty fresh out there. But, you know, people could wrap up. Basically, the Tory vote stayed at home because of their rejection of what is going on uh, with the mismanagement of this great country of ours uh, by this con-socialist government. Mm. And, you know, it's it, so it's quite a big step to get someone to vote, uh, you know, for another party. Uh, but, you know, we were, we, were, we were delighted. But you know, the Tory vote massively stayed at home. And I think uh, that will be what is of concern to... to uh, to the Tory High Command. The other thing, Mike, you know, the big messages on the doorstep, there's the Boris factor, which is now a liability. Mm. Obviously, immigration played a significant factor in that. That came up on the doors a lot. You know, people want this illegal uh, immigration crisis sorted. Uh, you know, the tragedy in the Channel uh, some 10 days ago, um, you know, really a sense, um, you know, that, that was just such a horror. Uh, people want this sorted. But we also campaigned hard, Mike, on Save Our Boiler. And, you know, literally everybody we spoke to, actually rather affectionate with their mm. boiler. Right. It works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Mike. Yeah. 
It's a simple mantra. Well, I mean, as, um, we've, as we've seen, Richard, I mean, there's nothing worse than those poor people. And I, and I was saying this yesterday on the show, and I don't understand why it's taking so long to fix. But those poor people up in the north of England, up in the Peak District, up in parts of Yorkshire, up in Scotland, who have been without power now for seven days. And they're not, not, they're not likely to get the power back within another week, possibly. I mean, it's extraordinary. And, and you know, it just, for me, cements the idea that you cannot have a boiler system, a hot, a hot water system, a heating system that doesn't work properly. Uh, completely. And everybody knows that these heat pumps, yes, they might work in a perfectly sealed brand new home where there's almost no air circulation through the walls and the windows. Mm. But in, you know, in most people's homes that have been built over the last 30 to 100 years, uh, then actually um, they're designed to have a bit of air circulation. And heat pumps don't produce the heat, they don't produce the warmth, they're much more expensive to run, and they cost an absolute fortune yeah. that people don't have and won't have to install. So, you know, that is a big thing. I think it's going to be huge uh, going through next year. Um, the other thing that came up on the doorstep, Mike, was people's inability to see GPs. Uh, that's getting worse, and of course, it's about to get worse again because GPs are now being bribed with extra cash. Uh, an extra 20% or so to put boosters into people's arms. So guess where they're going to go? They're going to go boosting, not seeing patients with uh, with non-COVID issues. And then the other thing that came up big on the doors was was people know that, you know, taxes are going up next year. And so there's going to be less money in people's pockets, in yeah. people's bank balances. Mm. Exactly right. And people are still obsessed in government with the booster. I mean, all we've heard this week, despite everything that's been going on, despite your by-election uh, um, success and despite, you know, the problems going on in our social uh, work scenario. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on with that terrible story of, of the little boy who was killed, uh, neglected by his mother and uh, stepmother and, and his father. Just awful, you know, stuff that we really could do without. Awful. But all we're seeing is the government talking about, get your booster, get your booster. You know, it's like, I think people are sick of it. They're absolutely sick of it. And people just, people have got the courage to know that we've got to learn to live with COVID, not panic and hide behind the sofa at the first sign of what may or may not be a variant of real concern coming from wherever. Mm. And... Uh, you know, it, 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 we've, we've just got to learn to do that. Um, you know, I genuinely do worry. Was this actually rather convenient in order to boost what was a flagging booster program uh, that the government have, uh, have responded as they had? And, um, you know, I just feel that uh, in a sense now we at Reform UK, we've planted a big foundation stone. We've put our flag in the political landscape, in the political map. You know, we're there rock solid now, Mike. People know that actually it's a five-party system now, not a four-party system. And I think that gives people more choice, more debate, mm. more discussion. And we've got the principles and the courage to say, do you know what? Unlike the chairman of the Conservative Party, we absolutely, full square, full stop, would commit never, ever to mandate vaccination in this incredible mm. democracy of ours. Yeah. I mean, I just cannot believe what Oliver Dowden on Julia's show just before yours what he actually had the temerity said. Yeah. He basically threatened the British people that if we don't get boosted, then it's going to be forced into our arms. Oh, I know. I couldn't believe it. I was literally, I was sitting in the car driving in. I mean, I nearly crashed the car listening to this guy. <laughs> and in fact, uh, we've got the clip here, I think, that we can have a listen to um, at any point uh, because it's it's a slightly longer clip than we would normally play. But just have a listen. If you haven't listened to it this morning on Julie Hartley Bruce show, Oliver Dowden, the chairman of the Tory party, this is what he said. 
In terms of restrictions, Germany yesterday under Angela Merkel, one of her last acts as Chancellor, has looked at going for, for in the footsteps of Austria, mandating jabs from next February for everybody and lockdowns for the un unvaccinated only. What's your reaction to that? Well, it's, it's not something that uh, we want to do or, or plan to do in the United Kingdom. And the reason why we, we don't want to and won't hopefully have to do any of that is because of the, the booster. People are taking that booster. That is building up the wall again. The evidence on its efficacy is very promising this morning. So as long as people, when they get the call up, take that booster jab, it'll be open to everyone by the, the end of January. I'm confident so that we people up and we will be able to withstand even given the challenges of this well, new what i just heard mr dowden was if you get the jab we won't have to force you to get the jab you said it's something it's not something we want to do or plan to do or hopefully won't have to do there's a really really simple answer which is this is wrong and we will never do it why won't we, you say that i do not agree in principle if that helps you on the principled argument with mandating vaccines, forcing people to have vaccines. What I, I said to you, though, is that the, the reason why we won't have to contemplate uh, those sort of decisions is because uh, of the efficacy of the, the vaccine, the booster. So I... OK, so we can rule it out then, can't we? So we can say this government, of which I am a part, I'm, cons I'm Conservative chairman, will never, ever, under any circumstances bring in mandatory jabs and never put in a lockdown for those who are unvaccinated. I think that's a really easy statement for anyone who lives in a liberal democracy to be able to say. And I'm stunned that politicians across the board in this country aren't making that statement. Julia, I, I think I've pretty much said that. Would I you mind that, using those words? Then? I, well, <laughs> the, the sort of, I'm not following journalists in terms of never, ever, etc. I've said I disagree with it profoundly in principle. And I've also said to you that we have the tools to prevent us ever having to do that because having of to do it. Because That's the of, thing. It's always to provide it. We don't want. I mean, quite extraordinary, Richard. You know, he doesn't want to fall into a journalistic trap of saying how we're never going to do it. I mean, why not? You said it. It's not difficult. We should never. It's ever... not difficult. It, it's not difficult, Mike. And I will confirm live exclusively on your show, as Julia requested, that this is wrong. And Reform UK would never, ever uh, do that. We would never mandate vaccination here in the UK. And I think I'm right in saying we are now the only political party on the mainstream UK political landscape that will give that guarantee, that will give that pledge, mm. that will give that certainty to the British people. Because I think this is about the most serious thing uh, that one could possibly envisage. Mm. I mean, this is, you know, let's just remind everybody of the 1930s. Where's, where's the history lessons? Maybe it's all disappeared mm. uh, up the chimney of the woke schools. I don't know. Um, but I think it's really, really important to make that crystal clear guarantee. And you've heard it from me, Mike. Yeah. I find it amazing that you can even say that statement uh, and be the only person in the political landscape right now, mainstream, uh, who can say it. It's incredible, isn't it? Because when we're still facing um, what looks like a catastrophic um, December, because no matter what Boris Johnson and his uh, ilk keep saying that, oh, don't worry about cancelling Christmas. Well, I'm sorry. Too late. Everybody's already cancelling it. People are already telling me that events companies are going under, uh, that pubs are having uh, uh, Christmas parties cancelled. Nobody knows what to do. They've created created mo the most uncertainty, I think, in this world since about last Christmas. 
Uh, exactly. And of course, people's travel plans. You know, I know that, you know, you're traveling and lots of other people planning to travel. And all of that now is completely and utterly up in the air yeah. because this is a government, uh, that has, has panicked, uh, in, in, in the face of very little evidence of anything to be concerned about. They've panicked to the extent that lots of other people around the world, including in Southern Africa, are looking at us absolutely aghast. And because our governments have panicked, because they're cowardly, because they're feeble, then other nations have panicked about us. Mm. So countries like Sweden, uh, sorry, Switzerland, uh, have put us on the red list yeah. completely unnecessarily. You know, these are the consequences. And, uh, you know, um, actions have consequences and words have consequences. And when this government fails to show uh, proper courageous leadership, uh, the damage is actually uh, to real people, mm. real businesses, small businesses, medium businesses, yeah. entrepreneurs, people's livelihoods, people's jobs, Mike are being threatened and ruined as we speak yeah. uh, because these people just don't seem to understand uh, how actually the real world works, how the world of hospitality works, no. how the world of travel works, lest they have forgotten, of course, that these are the very industries that suffered the most during previous lockdowns. Yeah, and this was going to be the recovery time when they could all get back some money that they didn't make last year because they weren't able to, and they've just been uh, stooped once again, if you'll pardon the phrase. Richard, stay with us. We want to talk about a lot more other things as well. Uh, coming up, Richard Tice is here, leader of the Reform Party. Um, they came third last night uh, in the Bexley by-election. Um, the Tories held it, but with a much reduced majority, uh, and you have to say uh, that the Reform UK Party are doing rather well because... They are doing the things and saying the things that people in this country want to hear. This is Talk Radio. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're talking to Richard Tice, of course, who is the leader of the Reform UK Party. He is, of course, uh, just fresh from coming third uh, in the election over in uh, Bexley. And Sid Cup, a pretty good result, I think you'd agree. Uh, also able to make some statements that nobody else in the political sphere uh, is able to make, which seems extraordinary, doesn't it? I mean, what we need, Richard, surely, uh, is for not uh, another two weeks of, of, of dither and, and delay. What we need, surely, this week is for Boris Johnson to come out and say, either Christmas is cancelled or it's not and this variant is dangerous or it isn't you know I can't wait till the 18th of December to decide what to do and neither can anybody else because by then all of the money that would have been spent will not be spent and everything will have been cancelled yes exactly Mike and the reality is that what this government is doing is they are completely overreacting at the other end of the scale because the one measure they should have done at the beginning of this whole Covid crisis was to shut the borders uh, whilst we were working out what was going on. Because they never did, and because they've never admitted that that was a mistake, they've panicked at just the wrong time and overreacted at the other end of the scale in order to be seen to be doing something in the same way with some of the other measures that they've imposed, like wearing masks, even though uh, no government minister can provide a single scrap of evidence by yeah. way of following the science uh, that they make any difference whatsoever to the transmission of the virus. Um, th th this is what we've come to expect from this government, but it is deeply, deeply damaging well, that's for confidence right. amongst the population and for people's travel and hospitality yeah. plans. But, you know, I, I feel just, I, I feel aghast and and. Well, they literally, I mean, literally, I mean, they literally, I mean, since, since well, you and I haven't spoken much because you've been running in an election, so we weren't able to do that. But since you and I last spoke and we're sitting here, I mean, I was really 
pretty close to euphoria uh, towards the end of last week, where I thought, we're out of it. You know, we're now talking about other things. We're talking about sorting out the migrant problem. We're talking about sorting out uh, the situation with the French, about all sorts of other things. We're talking about, you know, uh, Ministry of Defence spending. We're talking about other stories that need to be fixed. Still now, we've been dragged back into this kind of madness, this, this vortex of doom, uh, where people are walking around saying, well, of course, it could be very, very difficult. We must take precautions. Well, I'm sorry. Until and, 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 and unless we make a change to the way we make policy from this government's point of view, we'll be doing this forever. That, this is the point. And I think this is it's it's actually deliberate scaremongering. It's a dead cat bounce. Mm. Throw something else to confuse the people, to try and, uh, you know, sort of distract people from the real crisis in terms of the sleaze, the hypocrisy, the stuff that's been going on uh, in the uh, uh, this uh, this Tory government. And that's what this does. And it's just, it's just completely wrong, completely inappropriate. And we can do so much better than this, mm. but it requires courageous, proper, strong leadership. And there's just none of that. There's just U-turn after U-turn. Uh, let's distract people. Let's confuse people. And let's use masks, not as, a, not as an instrument of protection, but as an instrument of fear mm. to seek compliance. Uh, and, and to make it worse than ever by, you know, they're throwing around fines. Uh, you know, if you don't want to put a dirty, grossy mask around. Right. Exactly right. And as far as the whole business of testing goes, you know, they've now made it mandatory for you to have a test if you're going away to come home. Uh, do you know how much it costs at Heathrow to do a, a PCR test, which you can get the result back from in, a, in, in an hour and a half in order that you can go back to work instead of sitting around at home waiting for somebody to post it back? Do you know how much that is? 400 quid. Oh, my God. I tell you what, maybe you and I should set up some form of mobile unit, Mike. Let's get a couple <laughs> of mobile units. Let's, let's go and buy a few bits of few testing kits. We, I think we can make a fortune. Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, we're not mates of Matt Hancock's. Otherwise, we probably would have done it a long time ago. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, maybe we should have a tent of common sense and have testing done in there. And if politicians can come in and prove that they've got any, they're allowed out again and they're allowed to actually rule us. But until they, they can prove that they can't prove that, uh, we shouldn't let them do it because we're being run by, by, by idiots, aren't we? It's unbelievable. I mean, 400 quid. I think you and I could set up a great business and make a great deal of money. Um, in one of the short-term car parks at Heathrow, charging less than a hundred quid. I mean, we'd make a fortune. I know. You know. You'd be paying for the next ten Christmases, mate. I know. I mean, I can't imagine it costs more than about five or ten quid to make to do one of these tests. They're charging four hundred pounds. It's extraordinary. That that is quite extraordinary. I mean, that, that's just another great British rip-off. Yeah. And they were supposed to. I thought. I seem to remember in the mists of time that the government was going to reduce the cost of all this stuff. Well, exactly. But once again, they say one thing and something else completely different actually transpires, actually happens. And it's just it, it leads to a complete loss of confidence. And I, I, you know, I come back to the result last night. That's why with that loss of confidence, turnout was just 34 percent. You know, the number of people who told me on the door, I'm done with it. Yeah. I'm never voting again. A plague on all the houses. And that's deeply, deeply depressing. Mm. And that's because of a failure of leadership uh, by MPs in Westminster. Um, and that rests with, uh, with Boris Johnson. Yeah.
I think you're absolutely right. Richard, good to see you. Glad we could talk to you today. And congratulations once again. Coming third um, in a five-horse race, by the way, beating the Greens, beating the Lib Dems, coming third to the Conservatives and the Labour Party, contributing to a vast reduction uh, in the Tory party majority. Uh, Richard Tyson, the Reform UK Party, standing for something which nobody else stands for, which I have to say uh, is rather good. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I, mean, I don't know where to begin, really. And I don't um, I sort of don't even want to blame anyone for it, because obviously, clearly, these parents and, and, and step parents are so horrible and awful that, that they don't even really bear mentioning. But we've got to get better at looking after these children, haven't we? Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. The um, the big problem that we face is um, social services. Some of the um, decisions that are made in court are totally inappropriate. Yeah. And why is There's, that, do you think? It's, well, it's really, I don't know whether you might, might want to call this a conspiracy theory, but actually these children are worth a lot of money. Mm. And um, when they put a child into care, or if they can get a child into foster care or get them adopted, they, make, they stand to make a great deal of money from it. First of all, there's a government that pays them an allowance. Then you have the, um, the, the trading that goes on between social services and adoption agencies and the objective the full objective of social services is to take the child away from the parents and any excuse will do yeah um and and it is a business um in my experience mm -hmm. and the only reason i can say this is because of my own personal experience health visitors used to come to my house whenever i had a child and our house, you know, you know, there, there might be uh, reasons why people would think that I'm not a very good father. But, you know, other people would say, <laughs> actually, I'm not a bad father. But my experience was that they would send health visitors to places where they knew everything was fine. And they wouldn't send health visitors to places where they knew that th something might be up because it's a bit too tricky. It's a bit too dangerous. It might. And with baby P, they kind of were frightened to go to the house because the people were so awful that they didn't know if the, if the, if the social service visitors were going to be safe. And it seems to me that they, they, they sort of tick boxes by coming to people like me and saying, oh, yeah, that's all right, we ticked that box. Um, but they don't go where they should go. You're absolutely right, mate. The, it's, the whole thing is contrived. When it goes to court, if there is one good parent like yourself and there's one that is not so good, the chances are they will put the case forward to place the child, as they have done in this case this morning, they have placed the child with the least adequate parent. Hmm. That makes it so much easier to come back at a later date and take that child away from the parent. Yeah. Because when both parents are against each other in the court, the judge looks at both of them and social services are put in the case that the father says the mother is totally inadequate and inappropriate to look after the child. And then the mother saying exactly the same thing about the dad. Then the judge, quite often, they have um, the obviously the legitimate decision to deprive both parents of the child and put them into social care. Mm. And in that case, is that better than leaving the child with either of them, do you think, or is it too easy to make that judgment? No, the, the, I think the best... Um, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, just to give you a quick statistic, I don't want to give you a lecture, but there are places in the country where they may, a child may, or anyone might experience a domestic abuse incident once in every 210 years. Mm. That's three consecutive lifetimes. Yeah. Now, there are places such as Bradford where, where the school children have reported sexual or brutal abuse every four years. Mm. 
Now, this depends not on your lifestyle and not on the parents. It depends on where you live. Right. Um, I'm sure you, Mike, have had um, moments, maybe several, I don't know, but maybe you've had moments where you've said something, you've done something, instantly regretted it. Oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. And I do apologise. You've done all the rest of the things that you should do to make amends. That's the key word. There is no making amends in anything in the places where children are taken away from parents. Mm. So, well, so, they they don't, so they don't concentrate on making the parents suitable, if you like, so that they could, at some point, they could at some point take the child back into their own care. Because obviously you would want, I would imagine, for a child to be with his or her real parents. Absolutely. Always the best option. I like that little Daniel Pelka and like baby Peter. Yeah. The um, It's very, very rare for the actual parent to commit any kind of abuse on their own child. As you've just been saying, you yeah. can't imagine it. No. But, no. Um, but other people, yeah, they will. Most of the cases, in fact, depending on who you believe, most of the cases, 86 to 95 percent, of domestic abuse on children is perpetrated by friends and family yeah. of one of the parents. Mm. It's, it's so shocking to even think that it happens, but it does happen. And I'm getting a bit tired of hearing the phrase, we're going to learn the lessons from this and we're going to move on. <laughs> it never happens. Yeah. You know, what never. lessons yeah. have any of these people learned from Baby P, for example, from from little Victoria Columbia? You know, what have, what have they learned? Nothing. Absolutely. It's about the money, though, Mike. It's not about the safety of the child. Mm, yeah. Well, how do we change it then, Jerry? What would you do? I personally would. Um, I would have a look at the politics, to be honest, Mike, mm. because there are places in the country, as I said, where this is never or very, very unlikely to happen. I'll give you a, another quick statistic just to make my point. Young people today are two point seven times more likely to be arrested for a serious crime than they are to be married. Wow. That's a stunning statistic. Yeah. Yeah, because parents, young men, are not brought up to be parents. They're not given responsibilities. Mm. One of the things, obviously, there's the the feminist movement from the 1970s. I could give you a whole lecture on that one. But it's, um, it's basically that they're trying to split families apart, working class families apart. This is by splitting these people apart, they can access the children, make money from that, claim grants from the government for bad behaviour, children, emotional problems and everything, psychological problems that they cause. They can claim money back from the government for all the disruption that they cause. And they can also sell the children to adoption agencies, some of them paying 350000 wow. for blonde-haired, blue-eyed little baby girls. So you can imagine there's a, a, a multi, it's a multi-billion pound industry. Mm. Now, if you if you get parents back together, if you get families back together, for one thing, you will stop the number of people relying on benefits. When you take the father, this is particularly controversial, but if you take the father away from a child, instantly that child will have no respect for women. The chances are, I'm saying that the odds, people are going to say, well, it doesn't happen to mine, but it will happen to the majority mm. of children. You learn to respect women from your mother and from your little sister or big sister. It, it depends on your family circumstances as to how you will behave. 
Bad parents, okay, I'm not saying everybody, all bad parents are good. Um, what I'm saying is that children learn from the mistakes of their parents. I had a particularly bad father. I didn't grow up to emulate him. I grew up to emulate my mother. That's the big difference. If, you, if you've got parents who, at least one parent, who can show you what the way things should be like yourself, the values and everything. Yeah. Then that will that will obviously put the child in the right frame of mind. I remember my mother saying when I had to I had to do my share of the housework and I used to balk about doing these things. And my mother used to say, You're going to be a dad one day and you're going to have to let me do these things. Right. But my little sister's nappy needed changing. You're going to be a dad one day and you're going to have to learn to do these things. This was what I, what she said. And she said they're very uh, they're matriarchal in yeah. uh, in, in my, my culture. And so she said, You can't expect your woman to do everything. So <laughs> maybe she was a bit ahead of her time, whatever. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. It's good to talk to you, Jerry. Thank you uh, for taking. Thank you time. for your time, mate. Thank you for the opportunity. Not Thank at all, you. Jerry Hannah, chair of parenting together. There, um, a terrible, awful, ghastly, just disgusting story. And um, it, as I say, it, I, I don't even really want to talk about it, but we have to talk about it because we have to do something. As Jerry said, if it's all about money, that makes it even worse, doesn't it? If it's all about the money and people who are making money out of disadvantaged and abused children that can't be right can it the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio don't forget we are now available on your television download the talk radio tv app or go to talkradio.tv for details on how to watch it let's talk to daniel who's in surrey hello daniel Hi, Chief. How are you doing? Very well indeed, mate. I'm actually better now. I was feeling quite depressed this morning when I first started to come into work because I was listening to Wally Oliver Dowden on uh, Julia's show telling us that he wouldn't rule out, well, he effectively wouldn't rule out giving vaccinations mandatorily as a mandate. Yeah, I mean, I saw that and it angered me, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we have to remember that the Parliament building actually belongs to us. They're just working there at our behest. Well, Well, I mean, they work for us. This is the thing I keep saying. You know, we do not work for them, right? Yeah. Well, if, they, if, they, if they're going to start mandating vaccines or bringing in vaccine passports or trying to jab my kids, you'll find ordinary people like me are going to rise up. And if you make my life hell, I'm going to fight, hunt you out and make your life hell. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not someone that would ever do this type of thing. I'm not someone who goes on protest. But if you start impacting on my life and you make things worse for me, I'm going to hunt you out and I'm yeah. going to make your life hell. This and is I what they're going to ed- discover. This is because you can only push us so far, right? We need to mobilise, Mike. You know, millions, millions of. As I've told you before, their power is 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 hanging by a string, and they don't realise it. Mm. One or two million people could easily go down to Parliament any day you want to bypass the police. There's not enough police in the UK to stop you and drag no. every one of them out into That's the right. street. You could you could find out where they live. Mm. Anyone who votes for it better be very very careful because I was born a free man in this country, yeah. and I intend to stay free. Yeah. And there's no way that all. Ordinary people like me are not going to part with it, Mike. No, no listen, I and take I... your point, Daniel. Listen, you speak for many people when you say that you are not going to take it, and I take your point, and I'm going to send that message very firmly to Westminster because these people have got out of control now. They think that we work for them. Well, I'm sorry, I've got some news for them. You work for me, and that ain't a good place for you right now. Esther Cracker is here, though. Um, Esther, very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Morning. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. And Thank so, you for having me. let's talk about these uh, politicians who yes. think that uh, they can push us around. I mean, I don't know if you heard Oliver Dowden this morning. He's the chairman of the Tory party, mm. cabinet member, 
Julia asked him repeatedly, will you say categorically that you will not mandate vaccination for people in this country? And he couldn't say They, they can't say that. He couldn't say They it. can't say anything. Like, this is, this is the scary thing. All cards Great are on the earrings, table by now. The way. Thank you. Very Thank sparkly. You. Thank you. No, but they, they, uh, they can't rule anything out. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's What's wrong like, with them? It's mirrored everywhere. That's the crazy right. thing. In the US, Aust- Austria, Australia, oh my God, Australia, Germany. Uh, what's her name? Ursula um, von der Leyen yeah. saying, you know, the, recommending it's time that to the, think about vaccinating, vaccinating people. I, I can't believe these people can't hear themselves. I mean, does she not also realise if there are 150 million people in Europe who are not vaccinated, maybe there's a pretty good reason for that. For yeah, exactly. Maybe they don't want to be. And you know, the crazy thing is everyone I've asked like everyone that's super super pro-vax that i say okay if you're not necessarily an anti-vaxxer but you're not taking the vaccine because you're apprehensive that the fact that it's not been around very long or you just don't trust it what would you say to them to convince them and i've not heard a single reasonable argument everyone just says oh we've done it i was like well yeah get them it's like get the booster it's like some of those wind up goals you used to get at christmas you know sanjay javid get the booster did you see um um oh gosh what is it that video of Sajid saying, oh, yeah, I think they'll give it to you. Um, oh, with just... John Craig? Yeah, exactly. That was very creepy, I thought. It was very weird. It looked like they'd scripted that to me. I know. It looked as if they'd planned it in advance. And then, oh, I can use my influence to get you a jab. Yeah, and he said it quite nonchalantly as well. Huh? Like, just the way it came off, it was just weird. Yeah, yeah I can also get you a bag of five, $5 bag of heroin over there. I mean, <laughs> there's something very odd about it. Yeah. And there's something very odd about wanting people, other people. You know, I'm very happy if you want to get uh, vaccinated 85 Take, times exactly, a day. Exactly, yeah. Go for go it. Go for it. But I would never say to you, you must do it. Do it, yeah. And I think the reason, the, the thing that bothers me most is they keep pushing the goalposts. So yeah. first, you just have to get the two vac- two jabs right. to be fully vaccinated. Now they're saying you have to have a booster shot yeah. to be fully vaccinated. And there are two countries and that are saying... there might be a fourth one. If you're, and at this rate, we're going to be like, jabbed every well, three months. we were told... I mean, it was leading the news. I, I couldn't quite believe it. That they'd spent millions and hundreds of millions of pounds buying more um, um, vaccine doses so mm. they can give it to us until 2023. Yeah. Why? I, I, I think, and I know this is going to send shockwaves into Westminster, I think they can't keep up the fear-mongering much longer. I don't think they because can. Because most people, just like every other, just everything mm. we do in life, they're making a, sort of a value judgment, right? They're just looking at the opportunity cost. Yeah. How can I keep putting my, like, how can I keep putting my life on hold for this virus right. that for most of the country is not really a threat? No, it really isn't. I mean, I was on the tube on Monday night, first time and only time this week. It seemed to me that everything was pretty much the same. Yeah. People were wearing masks as they did before. Yeah. And those who weren't wearing masks weren't, weren't wearing, wearing masks. masks. And there was no difference because they decided to tell people to wear them because they were compulsory last week. Yeah. And that was the same sort of, you know, break. You know, don't you find it weird this victimization of the unvaccinated? Yeah. Because I think and this is the, this is the thing, I maybe there's not a lot of coherence in our political classes, but the vaccine was supposed to it has evidence that the vaccine is actually um stops transmission is very low mm. and very limited. Yeah. Right? The the point of the vaccine was to make sure people are not so sick that they have to end up in hospital. Right. That was which thing. has done a pretty good and job. It, of, and it seems to do that, right? So why do we keep hearing these political leaders, especially in Germany and Ireland, blaming sort of new waves on the unvaccinated? Right. The vaccinated are still passing it on. Yeah. They're just and, not getting as ill. And also, there are still some vaccinated people who are dying uh, yeah. because they're uh, they're suffering from other things. You know, exactly, comorbidities. If you're, if you're uh, obese and 82, there's a pretty good chance you might die of COVID whether you've been vaccinated or not. or not. Yeah, exactly. So, Triple jab, fourth jab. Yeah. Did you see that Sky News um, promo video of the 35, 35-year-old lady who recommended... No. Uh, let me just... I mean, I've more or less given up watching Sky now. I hardly uh, ever. I hardly I, I'm ever trying to it find on. the I most. I mean, it's on when I'm on the show here, but yeah. I hardly ever see it. How do I put this in the most politically correct? So it's a very um, large, a large lady, large lady, yeah. um, 
35. What do you mean plus size, you could say? Yeah, plus size. And she was telling her story of how she got COVID uh, and how it's like she's still recovering from it a year on. And, okay. and I just think there may be some contributing factors yes. which which may have contributed to the fact that you got so severe that you were well, in a I mean, coma. The 10 pizzas she'd eaten earlier. I'm not going to say I that. I couldn't possibly comment on that. Yes. But this is the thing. But I most thought there was... The, most, the, of the, most of the people who are dying are still dying because yeah. they're older and because they're fatter. Yeah, it's and they're not simple. fitter. This is the thing. I, Because I, I've always made the point that the NHS is reactive, not proactive. What better way to get the country back on track in terms of health and healthy living mm. and fitness and activity yeah. than an 18-month pandemic, right? And I haven't really seen this push... Yeah, but except it's kind of gone the other way, hasn't it? Because most people I know have said, oh, my God, you know, the, the lockdown no, was awful. Gain, yeah, All I did so much was weight. drink loads and eat too much and yeah. get deliveries of food and I hardly did any work. I didn't go out very much. And so most people are more unhealthy now than no, they then, were yeah. back in March of 2020. Which is incredible to me, mm. right? It's, it's For me, it's, it's just... God, it's it's really frustrating. But it really yeah. is. But the, the thing is, that just hammers home the point that it's not about your health. No. Right? All these measures are not about your health. Well, it can't be. Because as we know, as we found out this week, 475,000 people mm. did not get screened for cancer who should have done. Done, yeah. Right? That's just the beginning. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We know, for example, that loads of people who should have been going to the doctor haven't been able to. People who wanted to go and get I their mean, eyes. It took me a year and a half just to get my wisdom tooth taken out. So did I it? Found my, a year and a half, wow. yeah. Um, and a lot of people that get cancer in this country anyway end up going for treatment in the US if yeah. they can afford it just because you know we, we harp on about the American they're much better at it in the US That's well the it's expensive but it's effective yeah. right so where do we find that balance here although you know you say it's expensive I did a little calculation the other day because apparently something like 20%-ish of mm. your income tax goes to the NHS right yeah now 20% I, mean, I, I pay a reasonable amount of income tax but if you took what I pay as income tax and took 20% of that and put it into a private insurance scheme which would take heat off the NHS because mm. I would have private health care that would be about the same as I paid in America when I had Blue Cross Blue Shield coverage when I was there when yeah. I was a, a freelancer right? I paid something like six or seven thousand dollars a year right? that's actually not that bad and when you think about that and you say well that money's already going into the system yeah so what are we getting out of that exactly nothing I mean, I go pretty much privately for anything that I need, need to, to, be, do. To, to do because I, I don't want to wait I'm around just going for months on myself. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I just, and this is the thing. I mean, I don't want to sit in a GP surgery full of, uh, you know, sick people coughing all over me. I can't, you, when you can't even get an appointment. No. You have to wait like four hours. You get that, you, you call at eight o'clock and then you get put on hold for like two hours just to get an appointment two yeah. weeks later yeah. and i think we really need to have a very serious conversation about whether the nhs is fit for purpose it's and, not it's, it's just not and you know times change this is not post-war britain right and no 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 party wants and also to talk we shouldn't it be it's grateful they, it's like they want us to be grateful it's like they're doing us a favor like, oh thank you so much for helping me when i was sick it's like I'm a religion isn't you. it yeah it's not free right yeah it's free for some people if they don't work but if yeah. you work you're paying them yeah it's and like a I religion to be treated better clap for the nhs and you know the thing is i i actually took offense to the clap for the nhs because then they get like a two percent pay rise yeah. they're actually losing money if you t take into account inflation mm. people on the nhs are actually worse off and so this whole although some of them got more than that a couple of years ago so, oh yeah you know, definitely that balances out but th th this is this kind of sacri sacrilegious practice of you know clap for the nhs worship them they work so hard one they're getting paid and not enough right. might I add. and like, also they're working for a living they're doing a job that they wanted to do and they do crazy hours as well like don't don't like i think um junior doctors are on like 1800 pounds a month after yeah. taxes 
for like 12 hours. But that's shift. their system, you know, yeah. and everybody goes, oh, but you know, junior doctors work really long hours. Well, why? Yeah, exactly. Why? Why, Nobody's why don't you incentivize we're, the we're not, I mean, I'm not making them do that, yeah. but the system is making them do that, so the system isn't very good. And you know the crazy thing is most of the people in the NHS that are being paid by the NHS are not medical professionals. Right. They're well, famously, I think we got them on Plank of the Week. There was a, a somebody somewhere up in the north of England made a, made a, made a medal mm. to give to everybody for COVID. You know, you work for the NHS, you get a medal. Yeah. And this guy uh, te- texted in and said, yeah, my, my friend got one of those. She's been working from home for 18 months because she's an administrator. Yeah. Oh but God. she gets a medal too yeah. because she works for the NHS. Well done. Yeah. Haven't they, uh, haven't they been firing um, care home workers that haven't been vaccinated? Yes. These people that literally saw the worst yeah. of the pandemic are mm-hmm. now getting fired because they don't want to put it. And they're going to start firing people in the NHS as well if they're not vaccinated. It's crazy. Insane. It's mad. It is insane. The world is mad. Um, stay with us for a minute. We're going to take a little short break. Esther Cracker is here. We've got lots to talk about. I've got to ask. I've got to ask her about Meghan Markle. You know, you know, <laughs> you, know you know, you want to hear what she's got to say about that. This oh, is Talk God. Radio. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online on DAB Plus and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray on Talk Radio. Now we're here with Esther Cracker, and I'm sorry to say we're going to talk about Meghan Markle now. So. <laughs> Here's, here's what she said yesterday, right? And when she won this case against the Mail on Sunday. What matters most is that we are now collectively brave enough to reshape a tabloid industry that conditions people to be cruel and profits from the lies and pain they, they create. I mean... Your American accent always gets bad, me. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad at all. Um, the only lies in this case yeah. are hers. Not yeah. theirs. No, all the mail did was they published a letter that she had written to her dad. So, yeah. first of all, not a lie. They've just reproduced it. She has a lot of audacity, doesn't she? She does. But she <laughs> forgot, of course, that she that told she, she, yeah. somebody to write a nice book about her. She didn't remember that. Yeah, that bit. Until later. She, she amazes me. Um, actually, no, she doesn't. She, she does. Have I'm, you ever known anybody like her? I thank the Lord not. Hmm. Um, I have a very small circle of people <laughs> around me. Um, so, someone like her definitely couldn't... couldn't get through the screening i just but for me i i i think what baffles me the most not about her but it's about harry what are you doing with this woman he doesn't know he's not allowed to say because I, it's like chalking i know opposites attract but i i really don't understand like everything i can understand his dissatisfaction in the royal family i don't understand why he didn't leave earlier to be honest but that's on him right but everything he he always he's always used to talk about sort of being down to earth and right. hating pretentious people and yep. all of that that's exactly what your wife She's is about as pretentious as you can get isn't she and this you know the weird thing is i i remember like three years ago being at uni and watching her 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 royal wedding and all of that i didn't actually have an opinion on sort of the whole Meghan markle harry situation up until the point of the oprah interview so it was quite later on Mm. and the reason why i didn't is because i knew i knew there was always a slant with the media that they didn't necessarily like her but i was like they were horrible to fergie and kate anyway so i just thought it's the usual like hazing right the media hazing so i didn't really have much an opinion on that i didn't think she was but also she would have known that that would be likely to happen yeah i don't think she deserved it i don't think anyone deserves that sort of treatment but but... that that wasn't how it started you know you know know those those memes where it goes you know how it started yeah yeah, exactly when she came to she was a media darling she was everybody's darling yeah the wedding was covered with a great deal of sort of I, re- dignity. I remember it I remember everybody was watching happy all my friends. it was a lovely day out in Windsor you know everyone was really the weather was lovely that day and also well. the, the main narrative of that was isn't it great to see the royal family sort of modernising exactly. suddenly they've got somebody who's not white yeah. who's coming into the family who's not British who is coming from a completely different culture America you know it's going to be great 
And then it all went wrong because of her, not because of anybody else. But that was the thing. So I was like, I didn't really pay much attention to the whole, oh, she's like, I didn't pay much attention to the media around mm. her. And then the Oprah interview came out and I just thought this is the tackiest thing I've ever yes. seen in my entire life. Right. And, you, and you know, stage managed in a terribly it's bad horrible. way. horrible. But you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Charles is suing that American publisher for calling the royal racist. Oh, is he? Yeah. And I just think, so we've gotten to this point that your father-in-law, who I'm not sure you've seen in years, has to sue an American publisher for calling him the royal racist mm. because you insinuated that someone in the royal family questioned the skin colour yeah. of Archie, which is absolutely baffling to me because right. I don't know what, what other skin colour he could possibly be. Right. But why would well, he... Well, her skin colour is not particularly dark. And I, well, I know that... She's, I could say she's beige. I'm not supposed to say that, but, but you she, can she's, say she's, she's She's very fair, mixed, fair-skinned, yeah. mixed-race lady. Yeah. But my argument is, why would you say that someone in the royal family made a racist remark and play sort of whack-a-mole and say, oh, but it wasn't him or wasn't him, right. but not state who it was? Right. Because whether you want to or not, you're tarnishing the royal family yeah, with that brush. All of them. And for me, that was so tacky and immature. And that's right. when I really was just mm. like, OK. And he looked embarrassed as well. My, my take on all of that is that he, in order to try and get into her good books, at one point or other said, yeah. oh, you'll never guess what so-and-so said about Archie. Yeah, exactly. And then she took it and sort of ran with it. Ran with it. Yeah, she was so indignified. turned it into something that it really wasn't. So when she was asked about it, yeah. and Oprah did that ludicrous kind of, wow, as if she didn't know that I was know. going to be said. You know, like <laughs> I hadn't talked about it before. Mm. Um, and then he kind of just looked a bit sheepish, didn't he? But this this is the thing. So coming from a more neutral perspective, because I, I really, I'll be honest, I really didn't care about the sort of tabloid coverage of Meghan Markle. Right. That was for me, that was where we drew the line because I just thought you are you have no respect for your husband's family. Mm. I don't think your husband has respect for his own family. No. And I don't think he has respect for himself, to be honest. Really. And that is one of the most, the most immature and tackiest things you could ever do to kind of point the finger at an institution, but mm. not the person, make the person who said that take responsibility yeah. for it. Because isn't that what adults do? If someone does something wrong, you call them out right. on it. And just let them deal with the consequences. Yeah, you don't kind of tarnish every single person. In the royal family. Like somebody, it's like somebody saying, you know, somebody at Talk Radio is racist. Okay, who is it? Which Talk one? Radio is a who massive is institution. Right, who is it? You, I can't um, tell you that. You know. Yeah, so that's that's my thoughts on her. I just think she's, I just think she's tacky. She and her husband are very tacky. I, I think so. I don't think they're ever coming back. Um, I hope not. Doesn't but doesn't Harry have some tax issues to sort out? Because if he stays well, if there, well, if he without... stays there, he'll have to start paying tax in America. Yeah, which he's never done. I mean, this is a guy who's never paid tax. Period. No, <laughs> no he thinks that uh, you know the sun shines out of his backside. But the thing is, he still has a British passport. He does. And on, wouldn't the IRS be able to investigate him and any sort of? Well, the point is, is that if you and I've lived there as as well as here, as yeah. long as you pay tax somewhere. Basically, the HMRC and, and the IRS can agree on that. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have to pay tax here, I don't think, unless yeah. he absolutely gives up his royal status. But I think there is a done. limit. So I think once you reach a certain threshold, you have to pay like 5% on your foreign earnings. And that includes your foreign sort of bank accounts, mm. which is linked to the royal well, family. I don't Assuming he wasn't completely cut off by, you know... His well, dad, he was completely cut off. He only got 30 million. Oh, that's okay. what he said. He said, I've been, <laughs> I've been cut off by my father who hasn't paid me any money. Then it turned out his father had actually given him four million the year before. But he's got a 30 what do million. What with that kind of money? He's got a 30 million pound trust fund. Well, it, I bet it doesn't go far with me. Well, that's, Di- that's from Diana. Though. Yeah. 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 But he's hardly been cut off. Yeah. He's got a 30 million pound trust fund. I'm sorry. You can't say that you've been yeah. financially abandoned by anyone. And plus he wasn't anyway. Yeah. I mean, four million a year would do me. Uh, how shameless do you have to be as a, mi- a man in your mid thirties to sit on a te- like on, on in an interview and complain that yeah. your father's cut also, you off? At age thirty eight, 
uh, uh, we're trying hard to be financially independent. Congratulations. Yeah, I did that when I was 18. 18, yeah. You're just 20 years late. Right. How shameless do you have? Oh, if Shocking. I was his dad, I would have just been like, I know. don't even. I think his dad has said one or two things which I can't repeat. <laughs> but I'll tell you later. Okay. Um, that apparently has been said. But listen, great to see you. Nice um, to see you I don't know where the too. time goes. I know. Um, are you? What are you? What are, you are you here for Christmas? Are you going away? Yeah, I'm here for Christmas, um, which is I think the second Christmas, the, the second time I've spent Christmas in this country. Okay. Yeah, every time I, I just run away to heat and bliss. Well, why wouldn't you? I know. I'm not sure if you can. That's the trouble. That's the thing. I know. Esther Kraku, um back next. Well, well, you might be back next week. Yeah, I am. She'll be back next week. Excellent. So we'll have lots to talk about then. No doubt, Megan will have said something else by then. But it won't be very interesting. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.51, and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Now, we haven't got a lot of time this week, have we? We haven't, no, so, uh, no. So we're going to get right to it. No <laughs> okay. no preliminaries. No preliminaries. None of, none okay. of your TV rubbish. Welcome Just to TV Awards. TV Awards. Perrier Awards. Thank okay, you. bish bash bosh. As is tradition, yes. the first Perrier Award goes to you, Mr. Thank Graham, you. for the one-liner of the week. But not a lot of concrete answers yet. No. Well, that's what we need is concrete answers. Thank you very much indeed. We do need those. Yes. Thank you. We, we always need concrete, con, concrete, <laughs> concrete yes. answers. Another one for you, Mike. Mm. Now, we should point out that you successfully create seven different podcasts a week, right? Right. So, quick maths, that's 364 a year. Wow. Once an answer that I prepared earlier. But anyway, at last, at least. So, I, I don't um, get any extra for that either. No you, no, you don't. Maybe I should get some as well because I edit them all. You don't need much editing. Well, <laughs> I thought we were doing this in a hurry. Anyway, uh, so um, how it. has it taken Has and Megs uh, a year to do uh, one is beyond <laughs> me. Anyway, here is the Perry Award for the impression of the week. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I hope the ads have been with you. No, they haven't. I'm Harry. I'm an idiot. I mean, I mean, I could do a podcast for them. Maybe I should offer. I'll tell you what, guys. Hello. I'm Harry. Uh, and I'm Megan. And uh, I'd like to say, uh, have a lovely Christmas and a wonderful New Year. Uh, we'll be thinking about you. Yeah, you're in our thoughts all the time. At all times, we are thinking about you. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to go outside and do some juggling. Uh, uh, I'm not going to make it home for Christmas, though, however, even though Granny's not very well, um, and even though my dad likes me to come back, because, you know, uh, they're all a bit racist back there in Windsor, so well, I'm not coming. Yeah, that's right. Don't tell them anything else, because we need the money. We only pay a good top dollar for words so if you give us more money we'll do another podcast okay <laughs> merry christmas and happy holidays let's talk to there we go that's quite funny that is sorry i'm uh, not supposed to laugh at myself no no but you are a, a comedian my dear i think so uh over to jeremy kyle uh where we have a guest uh, where a guest was having wi-fi issues this is the perry award for the connection of the week it's written an absolute oh look at that oh <laughs> That's actually the most... He went, uh, Jeff Norcott was in full flow. <laughs> He's going to ask him if he'd vote for Boris Johnson again. Very good. That's very good. Now, I'm conscious, so I don't know if we should just kind of like give the... Uh, 
give give the signal to um the team and just go straight to the wrong namer of the week which is uh mike you got yourself an, uh, an award for the uh, wrong namer of the week just carry on. Just Jesus, carry no, on. I don't want you to oh, do that. Just okay. go through them all. Don't oh, worry. Just wait right, for a bit, okay. mate. Uh, Julia Hartley Brewer knocks yeah. the camera uh, whilst walking into the studio for a handover with James Max. Okay. This is the Perry Award for the ex- facial expression of the week. PM. Um, 25% say Christmas makes them think about divorce. Um, 14% are drunk between three people. <laughs> That's great. Very good. <laughs> yes. Uh, Rob Brinder has cocktails on, well, had his had cocktails on his show last Friday. Yes. Um, and on um, on the segment, it was like a personalised cocktail feature uh, called the Rinder. This is the Perry Award for the innuendo of the week. That he made a series of what you might describe as, sorry listeners, subconscious biases as to what it was that would go into Arinda. So, uh, Steve, what, if, what have you picked? And if you say fruit, I'm, I'm going to get right old cross here. I'm literally waiting for John Inman on steroids to emerge any second. If there's any umbrella, I'm telling you, JJ and Isiobi, I'm off. What have you got, Steve? Okay, yeah, there's definitely no umbrellas. There's no Baileys and Cherry Aid, I can promise Thank you that. Thank you very That's much. Um, what okay. goes into a rinder? What goes mm. into a rinder? Uh, so you get yourself uh, a perrier for the wrong namer of the week. Thank you. Now we will hear from Peter Caldwell, uh, Cardwell even, uh, who is of course our. <laughs> there is a guy called Caldwell. That's Caldwell, right. Caldwell, yes. Yeah. John Caldwell. I think it's John Caldwell. Yeah. yeah. Phones for you, guy. Yes. Uh, so over to uh, afternoons with the wonderful Ian Collins, mm. but he seems to be a little taken aback by a name he was called. This is the Lost for Words Perrier Award of the week. But Les thinks I'm the shock jock. I'm a shock jock, apparently, for having opinions that might be reflected by most of the world of science and medicine. <laughs> I'm the shock jock. <laughs> I've heard it all now. Well, that's good. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so now, as you know, everything is caught on camera here at Talk Radio HQ. Is it? Including someone getting a little drowsy. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, Mike, you get yourself a Perrier for the Sleeping Beauty Award of the Week. Swearing in particular doesn't add up to me at all. Do we need tough measures or not? That's the question. My view is that we don't. We've My had head's moving. enough of them. Wait for it. More than 90% of Brits have got antibodies at one level or another. We're vaccinated very well. We we this is possibly a more transmissible, but it could be a mild. My head's still moving though. We have to just take it on but, the chin but... and see how we go and take measures if things get bad. That's the kind of approach we should be taking. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'm suffering from narcolepsy. I don't think my I don't think I was sleeping though. I think you were definitely having a quick five minute snooze. Anyway, listen, power napping is a very underrated uh, activity. Well, that's true. That's true, but not during the show, okay, Mr. Then. Graham. Right. Uh, so there must be something in the water because here. Well, you're the one that gives me it. So did you put something in it? <laughs> well, maybe. Um, here's the Sleeping Beauty Award Part Two. 1,250 and that's too much mm. so Megan if they'd have said I'm still moving words, though have lost oh, I think you've got this wrong I don't think that, I have. and it's gone down to I mean, the number of words indeed it is a precedent because I know when I've tried to use things in books and features <laughs> that you can only it's never been actually itemised how many words you are allowed to use out of the whole you see the thing about my eyes is that they're very sunken right <laughs> I once went to uh, check into, um, I think it was Gatwick, right. and they make you go through this thing where you have they do like facial recognition, 
And I, w- I, was st- <laughs> I was standing there and it said, please open your eyes. And I was like, they are open. <laughs> they were open and it couldn't read me. I sort of had to go like that, you know. <laughs> I blame my mother. Sick. My mother's got eyes like that as well. Oh. I've got her eyes. Oh, well, well. Uh, well, I'm sorry about that, Mike. Take matchsticks next time. Yeah. Uh, and the piece de resistance. very tiring, this job. <laughs> Especially working with me and Adam. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, the piece de resistance for this week, yet again, is you, Mike. Excellent. The king of the Perry Awards. Can you guess what it is? The king of the Perry Awards. some news headlines. Oh, apparently we just had the news. <laughs> well, let's not get any more then, shall we? That's enough news headlines for the, for the moment. We'll get some more later. We'll get some at... Uh, shall we get some at 11? All right, then. Yeah. See, the trouble is, right, with this uh, burgeoning media class that we now have, uh, there's always something going on. There's always something to read, somebody to listen to. It's not easy out there. Also, I could do with the holiday. It's true. There you go. I'm very sleepy. You are. So that's all for the Perry Awards. Very good. If you stay awake, there'll be more next week. Thank you very much. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.